Welcome to the Franchise You Podcast, where key industry leaders provide education and inspiration. Here's your host, Dr. Kathy Gosser, the director of the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. And welcome to another episode of Franchise You. And with me today, I have John Siwinski. And John Siwinski is the president of Applebee's Grill and Bar. And I had the privilege of working with John uh, many years ago at KFC when he was the president. And he was such a consensus builder and had the respect of the franchise system as well as those who had the opportunity to work for him. Before he came to us, John worked at McDonald's and Burger King, was at Applebee's before. And then he came to KFC, went back to Applebee's and even had a little bit of fun at Disney. But I think what's really fascinating to me is the part of um, John's career where he was a franchisee himself with Dunkin' Donuts and Sonic. So with all of this experience, and I have to mention a degree from Notre Dame, I definitely am pleased that John has agreed to join us today. Thank you, Kathy. I loved those years when we worked together at Yum and KFC, and it's a blessing to have an opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you. Oh, the pleasure's mine. Very much so. Thank you. So, you know what? Let's start at the beginning because I watched a video about you and, and I should have known this, but I was fascinated that your first job was at Leo Burnett Advertising. And I have a journalism degree from IU back in the day and Leo Burnett was the advertising agency. And so to think you had that in Chicago and you worked with McDonald's and I heard you talk about that's when you fell in love with the restaurant business. So would you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely, Kathy. I'm dating myself. That was in the mid 80s. You and I both went to school in, yes. in the state of Indiana. So I got out of school and I, I was either going to go to Procter and Gamble, kind of a traditional brand management track in Cincinnati. But there was this company in Chicago, and I'm from Chicago. I was raised in Chicago, my wife and I both, and uh, called Leo Burnett Advertising. And back in the day, they had these big fold out brochures, and I opened it up. I saw Tony the Tiger, Snap, Crackle, and Pop, The Marlboro Man, Ronald McDonald, United Airlines, you name it. The best of the best companies and brands were on this brochure. And Leo Burnett did the national advertising. for. They were very much an iconic ad agency. And I was fortunate enough to work on the McDonald's business when I was there, which is where I got the bug for, you know, for the restaurant industry. Once you realized you liked restaurants, and you were at Leo Burnett. Take us where you went from there. I decided I no longer wanted to be on the recommending side of the table, on the gotcha. agency side. I wanted to be on the, quote, client side. And so I didn't know how to do that. I was a young kid. So I didn't want to approach McDonald's directly. I didn't think that would be right or ethical. Mm -hmm. And so back then, you know, we used to actually type up letters, <laughs> put them in an envelope and send them in the mail. And I did to PepsiCo, who owned yeah. KFC Taco Bell and Pizza Hut. Mm -hmm. and, and I was fortunate to have a choice between Pizza Hut in Wichita or KFC in kind of their Southeast division. And so we went to Atlanta. And then Grand Metropolitan, a British holding company, came in and acquired Burger King. I remember While that. I was at KFC. And the gentleman I worked who was leading this division of KFC went to BK and said, hey, John, would you mind coming with us? So we moved to mm -hmm. South Florida. I was part of the Burger King corporate team eventually ran U.S. marketing. We were competing directly with McDonald's then. So I had a little bit of insight and uh, they let me run the youth marketing program, you know, to build the youth wow. marketing program at Burger King, which they didn't have. And this is when McDonald's is selling Happy Meals and dominating that space. So that was fun. So then you went on to Disney and stayed yes. there for a bit. And then it looks yeah. like you moved back to restaurants. You must have missed them. Now, when was the Dunkin' Donuts and Sonic franchise? 
and why that? So I, uh, I eventually uh, went to Applebee's. So my stint with, you know, in Hollywood with Walt Disney Company was, <laughs> was pure fun. I was out in Burbank on the studio lot and I was the president of marketing for Buena Vista Pictures, but I really missed restaurants mm -hmm. and, and I missed being in Chicago. We were in LA at the time, third child had been born. So my wife and I moved back to Chicago, went to work for McDonald's. And then the Applebee's opportunity came up and we chose to do that as chief marketing officer. This is a company that was building a lot of restaurants, but they really needed help on the culinary side, the brand positioning side. How do you connect with America for a growing brand? And I was fascinated by that. And we did that. And I, I did that for five years. That was my first five-year stint. And then most recently, the franchisees asked me to come back. And, I, and we did, thankfully. Um, but I left after five years when the chairman CEO retired, the gentleman uh, I reported to, Lloyd Hill, who is a mentor and a coach and a friend mm -hmm. and a pal. And because I had always worked, Kathy, with franchisees, always mm -hmm. in my career, mm -hmm. every brand I've worked for was essentially 100% franchised. I thought, okay, I'm going to become a franchisee. I'm going to move back to Chicago. And I looked at the landscape and I first said, all right, I want Chick-fil-A and Chipotle. And then I found out they don't franchise. They're pretty much all company owned. And I wanted a, a breakfast day park brand. And I also wanted a lunch and dinner brand. I wanted okay. two brands. I became a, so I became a franchisee for Dunkin' Donuts in Chicago and for Sonic, who was moving up North. They were trying to break through the cold weather thing with mm -hmm. their concept. And I ultimately had, you know, I was a small franchisee. I had 10 restaurants on my own with my small mm -hmm. little team. And that was my MBA, Kathy. That was yeah. four years, like 20 years of learning concentrated in four years. Oh, and I think I became a better leader of franchisees and, and perhaps a better partner to people mm -hmm. um, because I was an owner mm -hmm. and an operator. I had to build my own teams. I had to build my own restaurants. I had to secure loans and I had to bake donuts. And I, all those things that when you're part of a corporate team, you know, you've got large infrastructure and resource. And then the other thing, it was my money, That's you know, right. our family's money, my wife and I on the line, we personally guaranteed everything. And so there's risk there. There's no guarantee as a franchisee that, that you're going to make a lot of money. And we did that. We did it for four years. I own the restaurants a little longer than that, but that's when David Novak asked me to come to KFC. As you know, uh, when KFC was challenged and, and needed some help repairing their franchisee relationship. Mm -hmm. And that was something that you did very well. And you could tell that you had walked in those shoes because of that, the empathy, the compassion, the understanding you had from both sides really made a difference. And, you know, John, I have to say there are very few executives. I don't know if I know of any who have gone to large corporations twice. And I think that says a lot for you in the way that you leave. You leave in such high esteem, they want you to come back. And so um, that's kind of a unique position that I literally know of no other senior leaders that have done that. So that speaks a lot to you. Thank you. It, it was, I wasn't anticipating going back to Applebee's, yes. but they too were challenged uh, kind of in 15 and 16. And it was in interesting. My franchisees were the ones who asked me to come back. Yeah. Ultimately the board did, but I really didn't know the board. I knew my friend, I knew the brand and I knew my franchise partners. And I, I ultimately sold my Sonic and Dunkin' restaurants because when you move back into a corporate role, it's hard to also own and operate restaurants. Right. 
Um, but that's where I am today. I'm here with Applebee's and, and love this business. And you've been there five years. And so um, I know that you just had your earnings last week and you were telling me some of the best, the best you've ever had at Applebee's. This is my, my second five-year stint, 10 years in total with Applebee's. Awesome. You and I both know this 24-month time frame has caused America to kind of reevaluate life, regardless of your circumstance. Certainly true, I think, for all of my franchise partners who endured the adversity that, that we all experienced. But we became a little more nimble, agile, entrepreneurial, thick-skinned, uh, determined mm-hmm. to not only navigate, but to come out of it better. And, and we did last year, 2021, thankfully, was one of the best years in our history. Perhaps the best. We just don't have data that goes back 41 years. So I can't, you know, I know our okay. average weekly sales volumes were the highest in 41 years. We were up 6.2% versus the last normalized baseline, which was kind of 2019. We're now the category leader on a lot of attributes that are important to our guest. And our guest is a, you know, very much a $75,000 household guest, you know, and um, we went on convenience and affordability and variety and to go and delivery. And, you know, out of the pandemic, the off-premise business became a big engine. And so we're very, and then like, this is what I'm most proud of. Our team, which is a team from all around the country in partnership with our franchisees, outperformed the casual dining category as tracked by a company called Blackbox for 51 consecutive weeks last year. Wow. By 740 basis points. That's 7.4 percentage points. So it it was a terrific year. Now we have to roll it and do better this year. That's always the tough part, rolling. But I'll tell you, uh, my husband and I went to an Applebee's just a couple of weeks ago, maybe maybe just two weeks ago, and it was a wonderful experience. The friendliness, the freshness of the food, the price point. I can see why you had such a successful year. So that's fa- that's fantastic. Thank you. We're very, Kathy, I think we're kind of what McDonald's is to QSR, Applebee's oh. is to casual dining. We're, we're all American and we're, you know, we're familiar and friendly and welcoming and inviting and you kind of come as you are we're like a good friend we're not pretentious and and we're right around the corner you know and America's been I say this a lot you know pun intended that America's been hungry to dine out and we are very thankful and I've not the one thing I've noticed there our guests are tipping their servers they're very generous oh in their tips for all the obvious reasons 100 percent so happy people are working and friendly and, and supporting. We want to support each other, but you led me right down the path. You just put it right out there. You know, actually, I think your restaurants are kind of fancy. And so we have to talk about that song. And I think I mentioned earlier this morning in the car, there was the song out of the blue and I haven't mastered the dance, but I do know the song. Can you talk a little bit about how the, the fancy song came about? Yeah, it's a, um, your audience can't see this, but I'm, I'm smiling <laughs> fancy like, and the lyrics are actually fancy like Applebee's. So Walker Hayes. Date night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so what happens at Applebee's across America, as you know, you know, every night of the week, certainly on weekends, date night. Right. And America was kind of, you know, cooped up for two years. And a lot of that wasn't happening. People were cooped up at home. So Walker Hayes is an absolute gentleman. But Walker would be the first to tell you, you know, he had his struggles like every country music artist. His friends said, gosh, you're, you know, you're a country music artist. You must live a pretty great lifestyle. Like, yeah. and, and he said, no, man, we're normal. We're just, like, we love Burger King, McDonald's and Wendy's. 
but a fancy night out for us as a family is Applebee's. And he said that with a straight face. Like <laughs> he, he is, they're our most loyal guests, but people think, you know, that he is this affluent superstar. No, he just, but he wrote a song about it, Kathy. We had nothing to do with it. So talk about, you know, serendipity. Um, yes. I remember the first time I heard it, I was driving down the road like you were this morning in your car. So, oh my God, that was a song about Applebee. He didn't call us. He didn't tell us. We oh, didn't wow. know. It just happened organically. And then we ultimately developed a partnership. We got to know him. Mm-hmm. And then his daughter, I think it's his oldest, his oldest daughter put together this dance and you said, yeah, I've tried it too. And I, I don't have, I don't have, I have no, no, I can't do it. <laughs> but, but his daughter posted this dance, which went viral. And there were yeah. 750,000 TikTok submissions Gosh. to fancy like Applebee's. And so we decided last year in the heart of the summer, when America was finally thinking it was pre-Omicron, that the pandemic may be behind us. They just wanted to let loose and have fun. And we said, put Americans dancing to the song on air. Yes. Let the, because we could have promoted an ad about Bourbon Street Steak and Oreo Shake and given right. it a price point. We didn't want anything commercially. We just wanted to have fun. It, it resonated like nothing I've ever experienced before. And so, and I've said this a lot, we're very thankful for Walker, mm-hmm. and his family and his daughter in particular, who put together this initial music video and that's but that's who we are we're eating good in the neighborhood so wonderfully grammatically incorrect uh but america loves that and that's who we are and that fits we had a tie-in with disney we had a tie-in with walker hayes right now we're promoting boneless wings which is a big seller for us we've got you know as as mike myers would say mojo baby we've got (laughs) mojo at applebee's and it feels great and in our franchisees yes god bless them because like I said, everything they do, it's their money. They personally guarantee everything. And they were in a survival mode, like every restaurant operator and owner in America when this hit in March of 2020. And no one knew, was this going to be a month or two? No one, if you and I would have speculated, it's going to be two years. But here they are on the other side. So, And for all restaurant owners out there to now be reaping the benefits of those two years is rewarding. It's great to see that. It is rewarding. And let's talk a little bit about Applebee's. So it started in 1980 when the founders, Bill and TJ Palmer, they opened the first one in Atlanta, Georgia. They started franchising several years later, and now you have over 1,500 franchise units, and I think a little under 100 company um, restaurants. So your parent company is Dine Brands, which you have, which has IHOP as well. Can you talk about why the franchise strategy has been so predominant within your brand? You've done your homework, Kathy. So yeah, Bill uh, was a really interesting guy. Like I never, when you and I were working for KFC, I I never got to meet Colonel Sanders. You know, he was the founder. And when I was with McDonald's, I never got to meet Ray Kroc, the founder. Mm -hmm. Not only did I get to meet, like Bill Palmer was a dear friend. Bill passed away tragically, pancreatic cancer uh, a little over a year ago. And kind of on our 40th anniversary, you know, he would have been, he would have been so proud of what his franchise partners, he was still a franchisee. So Uh my point is I got, I finally got to work with the founder and this is a guy who was like everyone in the system. He'd roll up his sleeves. He was very passionate about restaurant team members and culinary and building the brand. 
And he had a vision. And that first one in Atlanta in 1980 ultimately became the largest casual dining brand, $4.2 billion, $2.6 million average unit volume in America. And he stayed completely engaged. That helped sign up other franchisees because they got to meet Bill. Oh, yeah. Bill was so passionate and still invested and still fully engaged in this. And he was a young man when he passed away. And so I have a very unique business model. As you know, at KFC, I had 650 or so franchise partners. At McDonald's, I had 3,000. I have 31 partners at Applebee's. Mm -hmm. And they, they own large portfolios. Our largest franchisee who built it from ground up is Greg Flynn. He has 450 mm-hmm. Applebee's. He also has Panera's, Taco Bell's, Arby's, Wendy's, and Pizza Hut's. Mm-hmm. He's the largest franchisee on earth. Yes. You know? It is not uncommon for each of these franchisees to have started with one and then over time to have built this very large portfolio where they employ thousands of team members. They have distinct culture they are part of their community. You know, we have franchisees who've been around for 30 plus years, and now it's becoming second generation franchisees as their kids get involved. I attribute all this to Bill Palmer. Uh, he, he was kind of the heartbeat of this brand, and we still talk about him all the time. And when we run into a tough spot, we, we genuinely look at one another and ask the question, you know, what would Bill have done? Mm-hmm. It sounds very much how we felt at KFC about the Colonel. So um, even though you're right, we never had a chance to meet him. So how lucky that you had that opportunity. So what makes a great Applebee's franchisees? You mentioned you, you just have 31 of them. What are some of the attributes that make them so strong? That's a great question. Because I know your curriculum, you're a, you're a professor at the University mm-hmm. of Louisville, and you have multiple subjects, but most deal with entrepreneurial business. Correct. And so I'd I'd say the first thing is a a curiosity, Mm. a natural curiosity about if I owned this, what could it be? Mm -hmm. Most of those entrepreneurial spirits have this curiosity where they have a, a confidence about what they could do if it was theirs. Most don't know how to go about it, don't know how to arrange financing, don't even know how to, like when I, I was a franchisee, I really had to do a lot of research like you. I didn't know how to approach a brand or a parent company or a holding company. So I find successful franchisees tend to be curious, Mm -hmm. entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. Uh, They don't always have really deep pockets and net worth. Oftentimes not when they start out. They have a, a deep desire and passion for building something special, employing teams, making a difference in a community doing their own thing, but oftentimes with the help and the support of a big brand, you know, which may mitigate the risk a little bit. The good ones surround themselves with great talent. And you and I know better than many that it's all about people. To become a successful franchisee, those are your most important decisions. It's While it's important where you build your restaurants and which brand you partner with, who you choose to be your lead operator, and your head of HR and your head of accounting or finance, mm-hmm. your chief financial officer, if your business grows, those are really important. And one of the hallmarks of Applebee's is each of our franchise partners hired team members a long time ago. They've got 10, 20, 30 year veterans on their team that uh, helped build a culture. So I don't know, there's this kind of never ending desire to do my own thing. That's what I find among franchisees, and they're fiercely competitive. Oh, yeah. 
and passionate about building their own culture, whatever that, that happens to be, you know, based upon their personality and their cultures tend to take on their personality. You, you tend not to take on the personality of the brand because ultimately you're going to employ 10 or 20 or 200 or 2000 team members, and you're going to create a culture that ensures retention and growth. And all of a sudden you're impacting all these families long-term that's rewarding, especially when you go through two years, like we, we just went through. Oh, for sure. And you know, with franchising, the franchisee is really the one, the model itself dictates that the franchisee is the one that determines what that culture is like, because they make the hiring decisions and the retention decisions and everything to do with people. There's a benefit to franchising, in my estimation, watching the last two years as an independent operator, I suspect, uh, without the benefit of a big brand, you may feel a bit more isolated right. without resource and support. When you become a franchisee of a KFC or an Applebee's or a McDonald's, you have this partner, you know, this big, huge brand support center with you know, finance and real estate and marketing and operations functions there to help you. You know, they really are your support system. Now, you pay for that because when you become franchisee, you ultimately generate a million dollars at KFC or at Applebee's, and then you pay a percentage of that to the parent company in return for those services. So it's a little bit of risk mitigation. My coaching or my advice to your students would be, don't be intimidated by the process, but choose your brands wisely. And the same applies to your team members as you're making those hiring decisions. Ah, sound advice. So let's talk in our in our last few minutes here. Let's talk about some of the support that Applebee's provides to the franchisees. I know that the franchise model really proved to be a solid business model during the pandemic. And you can look at all the stats. And as you mentioned, independent entrepreneurs really struggled without that support. So what were some of the things you did at Applebee's to support your franchisees during this time? Well, the first thing we did, we provided in Dine Brands, which is our parent company for both Applebee's and IHOP provided royalty relief for a period of time. You know, if you think back to March when, when the government essentially said, hey, close all your dining rooms. Right. So it's one thing to have a KFC where most of your business goes through the drive-thru. Right. It's another thing to own an Applebee's where majority of your business is dine-in and the government says, close your dining room. So we helped defer some of their expenses we helped lead them. Actually, they led us in so many respects on how to execute a brand that was fundamentally now off-premise overnight. We helped reduce their menu. We had 160 menu items, Kathy, and on this menu moved from 160 to about 90 almost overnight out of necessity. Wow. So we simplified. They had to furlough team members, so we had to simplify their operation uh, to make it easier to get through the tough times. Uh, we continued to market the brand, but now we marketed the brand chain. There's a genuine emotional connection there and your tone of voice and how you engage America in the middle of a pandemic is very different than it would be, you know, before or after. And so you have to be aware of that. And, you know, our mode of communication changed. We used to meet live and in person all the time because we as I said, we only have 31 franchisees. We can get in a room and chat. But right. the way you and I are doing this here virtually became our modus operandi. And we mm -hmm. literally had town hall calls three times a week when the pandemic started because it tested us. 
unlike anything we had seen before. It made us stronger. But I remember that period of time, it felt like, you know, for every step forward, there were two steps back. And then we felt we were out of the woods and then Delta variant and then great trajectory and then Omicron. And then right. here we are again. And I, I think, fingers crossed, yes, that America is returning to some degree of normalcy. And, and we see that in our demand. So it's a long-winded answer to your question, but when you're part of a franchise system, there are benefits and resources. And it's interesting. They're available to all the franchisees. My advice again to your students would be if you become a franchisee, take advantage of all of it. It's there. Mm -hmm. You just got to be willing to maybe make a trip to that support center or pick up a phone and make a phone call and develop relationships with your corporate partners. We love having a relationship with our franchisees. And you will find that if you're curious and you reach out, you'll end up learning who runs restaurant development and who runs operations and who runs culinary and makes the menu decisions and mm -hmm. who runs marketing. And, and when you have those relationships over time, it benefits you as a franchisee. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you can start to see the type of support you get. It, just look at item 11 in the FDD, the franchise disclosure document, and it's laid out the support you receive. And I think most new franchisees or even existing ones don't understand that that information is there for them. You and your team spend a lot of time making sure that that's accurate and that you're giving them that support. Kathy, I'd say the, the other point is you have a bunch of young folks interested in franchising. Yeah. They don't necessarily have to make that leap. If they don't know how to secure financing, they could go plug into an existing franchise organization yes. and have an apprenticeship. They could literally say to that existing franchisee, I want to become a franchisee, but I'd like to come learn and partner with you for two years before I branch off on my own. And that can be extraordinarily beneficial. You know, um, John, that is something I would love to get started here at the university is that concept of apprenticeships because so many successful franchisees, especially in the system I came from, started working for a franchisee, gained equity, and then eventually just, just stayed with that equity or became the owner themselves. So, That's more common than, than you would expect. And oh, here's the other thing. These are really great people. Like these, this, you know, these are yes. folks who built America in many respects. They love giving back to a young, like when a young person approaches a franchisee, says, I want to learn about how you did this. How did you get in the business? They want to share. They want to give back. And because a lot of these ladies and gentlemen are now in their 50s and 60s and 70s, and it's surprising, not enough people actually ask for that wisdom and they're willing to give it. They really are. It's true. And I think a lot of it's just not knowing about the opportunities there. And that's our purpose. I mean, that's what we're out there for. So I'm going to ask you this, this question about, I love this, because you not only talk about eating good in the neighborhood, but you also talk about doing good in the neighborhood. What are some examples of the latter? Well, our 31 partners have been longstanding members of the community. That's just, mm -hmm. you know, eating good in the neighborhood kind of suggests that's what you do. And so um, Alex's lemonade stand, which is childhood cancer, um, is one example on a national basis mm -hmm. where we've, uh, our franchise partners, along with our guests, contribute every year uh, to this wonderful cause. Um, we love our veterans and Veterans Day is a special day at not just Applebee's, many brands, but certainly at Applebee's. And so we go out of our way to celebrate those ladies and gentlemen who, regardless of their length of service or when, mm -hmm. um, we see them every November 11th. That's a big one for us. And every uh, franchise group also uh, has established their own independent kind of fund 
to help their team members and families. Uh, and that could be in, in times of trouble. You know, it could be a tornado, it could be a hurricane, it could be a pandemic, um, it could be a death in the family. Whatever the circumstance, um, our franchisees have become very successful over the decades. And taking care of their teams and giving back to their teams is important. And then much of America has kind of grown up in their respective town or neighborhood with Applebee's. So you grew up as a kid, you go with mom and dad, and then we end up being kind of that first place of work for many young people mm -hmm. where you learn skills and responsibilities uh, in, in your first job. That's another way of giving back. And we, um, we're very visible because we like to market and we, you know, eating good, the neighborhood is where music is part of our DNA. You mentioned fancy yeah. like, but you know, our objective with our advertising is make them smile and make them hungry. That's it. But it's when I say make them smile and make them hungry, it's not just our guests. Half of why we do what we do with our national marketing is for our team members mm -hmm. because it makes them feel proud, mm -hmm. you know, to be part of something bigger. And when they're off of work, which isn't often because they're working all the time and they're in their community or maybe they're at a barbecue and someone say, hey, I just saw that that new Applebee's ad. It's a feel good, whether you're a server or a kitchen cook. And, you know, every restaurant probably has 30, 40, 50 team members, depending on the size of that restaurant. So that's a little community. We give back in so many ways. And my, my final point here on this subject is we are oftentimes kind of referenced as hey, you're so much like Cheers. And in that lyric, cool. sometimes you want to go where everyone knows your name. Well, the pandemic are like our bartenders and servers know the names of the regular guests. Yeah. So we produced ads about our regulars. We actually shot real people, oh, that's cool. uh, filmed them in Pittsburgh. And, and so when the restrictions were easing and people were coming back to restaurants, it was a little bit of a homecoming. Hey, Susie. Hey, Tommy. I haven't seen you in, in 12 months. Where you been, man? You know, that you know, emotional connection, that genuine emotional, that's our brand purpose. Yeah. We're not in business to make money. We're not in business to, to fulfill other men. We are in business of facilitating emotional connection between family and friends. Those little moments oftentimes happen over a meal and a drink at an Applebee's. That's eating good in the neighborhood. Ah, that's awesome. You know, John, you've not changed at all. You are humble, even though you have so much to be proud of. And it's wonderful to see Applebee's doing so well. My last question is, what do you wish that when you started this franchising journey, what do you wish you had known way back all those years? I don't mean to say all those years ago, it makes you seem old. But when you started your career, that's okay. that's what okay. did you wish you had known about the franchising model? You know, it, it's less about the franchise. So first thing on, on the franchising model, there's a lot of information available to you and you're, you read, Kathy, I know you do. You'd like, you read FDD documents and <laughs> that, you know, it's easy to get access to information about franchising and companies. You know, I'd encourage your students to have um, a big appetite for available data mm -hmm. uh, and become a subject matter expert on brands you're interested in. The other one is, you know, I just say never lose sight of um, who you are as a person and, you know, regardless of whether you become a franchisee or you're a student or you're an executive uh, and what you stand for, like your core, never under any circumstance compromise your core values. You'll never, you'll always sleep well at night. Yeah. You'll never have any regrets. And there's a great country music song 
and I can't remember, I think it was Aaron Tippin who wrote, you got to stand for something or, or you'll fall for anything. I think that was the lyric. That's a good line. Um, but my advice to your students would be like, they should, they should emulate you. You are a great role model. Um, your character, integrity, ethics, work ethic are exceptional. Like you love to give back. So Always, um, yeah. they should have some chutzpah and <laughs> ask questions of their professor. Well, John, you, um, your authentic leadership shines through just as it always did. And I can't thank you enough. I could go on forever, but I can't thank you enough for this and talking to us about your career journey in Applebee's. So thank you. Kathy, I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, like always, you're smiling and uh, I know you're happy you're doing, this is your forte. You yeah. were exceptional when you were with Yum and KFC at doing this. So I'm thrilled that uh, the university has, the University of Louisville should be very uh, thankful that they have you. And um, tell you what, I'd love to meet your students. So when you find the right opportunity, we'll make that happen. You want to chat, engage with them, you let me know and I'll come to Louisville. Okay. We'll count on that. Thank you, John. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks, Kathy. Franchise U is brought to you by the Yum Center for Global Franchise Excellence at the University of Louisville. For more information on the center, visit business.louisville.edu slash yumcgfe. Thank you for listening to Franchise U.